0: Welcome to Usurf Spotlight, a new series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we discuss major topics and issues in the news and explore how those issues are impacting religious freedom around the globe. Here is UsERF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, leading this week’s discussion.
1: Welcome to UsERf Spotlight. Today we're going to discuss recent developments in Pakistan, particularly those impacting vulnerable religious minority communities. Since 2002, USURF has recommended that the State Department designate Pakistan as a country of particular concern due to its systematic, ongoing, and egregious violations of religious freedom. The State Department eventually designated Pakistan as CPC in 2018, but hasn't taken any punitive action as a consequence of that designation. And one of the primary reasons Pakistan is on this list has been the continued enforcement of blasphemy and anti ahmadiyya laws, where we've seen a spike in recent months. Pakistan's blasphemy law, among the world's worst, uh, carries a death sentence with some 80 known cases of individuals imprisoned on blasphemy charges, and half of them facing a death sentence or life in prison. Yusuf recently issued a statement about an uptick in blasphemy cases against Shia Muslims in particular, uh, which in some cases has led to mob violence. There's also been a number of targeted killings of Ahmadis over the past few months. We're fortunate today to have Yusuf's senior policy analyst and South Asia specialist Naila Muhammad to go deeper on these issues. Welcome, Naila.
0: Thank you, Dwight.
1: Tell us, why are religious minorities particularly vulnerable to blasphemy laws and violence in Pakistan, and what do you think is behind the recent uptick?
0: Well, firstly, it's important to understand that Pakistan's identity largely revolves around religion. Although the, initially, although the country was not initially conceived by its founding fathers as an Islamic state or an Islamic-based or a state based on Islamic law. Pakistan was founded as a homeland for British Indian Muslims in 1947. So the constitution of 1956 then later declared Pakistan to be an Islamic Republic and Islam to be the state religion. But the constitution did guarantee freedom of religion and rights to the country's minorities. Now, Pakistan is majority Sunni. and it follows the Hanafi school of thought. However, it is home to various different religious ethnic groups like insects like the Shia, Ahmadi, Christians, Hindus, and Sikhs that often fall victim to discrimination and violence due to growing hardline Islamic extremism. Um, there's a growing intolerance in Pakistan for religious minorities due to hardline extremist elements. The influx of puritanical sects of Islam, like Diobandis, Salafists, and Verilavis are active and influential in the region and they perpetuate sectarian violence and incite hate speech via digital platforms or their sermons. That basically creates an environment that is really, um, really very uh, volatile for religious minorities. Pakistan has religiously discriminated, discriminatory legislation as well. Uh, such as blasphemy laws like you mentioned and anti Ahmadiyya laws uh, that contribute to ongoing human rights abuses when enforced and even when not enforced, they foster this environment of intolerance for religious minorities that often leads to violence and bloodshed that we've unfortunately witnessed a lot of over the past couple months.
1: Now Both uh, Muslims and non-Muslims alike suffer, as you said, from Pakistan's discriminatory laws and and societal violence. Uh, Can you tell us which of these uh, religious communities would you consider among the most persecuted and vulnerable in the country today?
0: Ahmadis are probably the most persecuted religious minority in Pakistan. In 1974, a constitutional amendment was introduced declaring Ahmadis as non-Muslim, and then in 1984, an ordinance was put into effect that um, made it a criminal offense for Ahmadis to call themselves Muslims. However, this becomes problematic because Ahmadis self-identify as Muslim and believe their leader Mirza Hulam Ahmed to be the Messiah prophesied in Islam. The belief is considered by many mainstream Muslims as blasphemous and a violation of the Pakistani constitution, which defines Muslims to be a person who believes in the finality of the prophet. So Ahmadi Muslims are forced to sign a declaration swearing that they are non-Muslim in order to obtain basic civil rights or citizen rights. In order to have the right to vote, obtain a passport, have a national identity card, they have to declare themselves as Ahmadi, and they can be you know penalized for uh not doing so or posing as muslim so de- declaring their faith publicly making citations from the quran or the hadith um, using the kalma or the muslim creed on um, on their in their homes or in amulets um, propagating their faith printing or obtaining any material related to their faith building mosques or even calling their places of worship mosques Um, making the call to prayer, adhan, um, virtually anything that is a public act of worship or devotion or viewed as, you know, propagation by an Ahmadi Muslim can be treated as a criminal offense, punishable by a fine, imprisonment, or death.
1: Well, there's been a series of targeted killings of Amadees over the past few months as we've been uh, watching, including an American citizen who was shot and killed in a courtroom recently. What can you tell us about some of these cases and, and, and uh, explain what we're witnessing with this worrying pattern of violence uh, happening in different parts of the country targeting Amadees?
0: It is worrisome. Over the past four months, there have been four targeted killings of individuals associated with the Ahmadi community, particularly in Chayra Pohtunfaw province. In July, we had Thayr Nassim, an American citizen with mental health issues, who was shot several times in front of authorities in the Peshawar courtroom while awaiting his trial. In August, we had um, a 61-year-old man who was killed outside of his medical store in Peshawar. In October, a 56-year-old man named Naimuddin Khatak, a professor, was killed by unidentified gunmen. And this month, uh, just last week actually, an 82-year-old man, Mabu Khan, was killed waiting for his bus. And this is alarming, because the population of Ahmadis uh, in Khaybar Kwa is already so significantly small because they are susceptible to harassment and discrimination. So these victims are sought out, in and hunted down by people, without fear of repercussions authorities. their authorities.
1: Where there have been some recent incidents also of Shia Muslims uh, being targeted, is there anything in particular about this region or this location as to why uh, the Shia community uh, have been singled out recently as well?
0: So, Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province may be more volatile due to the socioeconomic factors like low literacy rates and Islamic militant presence, propagating intolerance in an already conservative region that borders war-torn Afghanistan. But Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province is home to a small and significant population of Shia Muslims that are indigenous to that area. So they've lived there for time memorable. A significant number of Shias have lived in Peshawar, Kohat, Tangu, Dera Ismail Khan, um, and areas in the former federally administered tribal areas like Kormung and Orkzai. The two recent blasphemy cases involving Shia Muslim minorities that led to vigilante violence in Khaira Qumha is concerning because it shows the growing lack of tolerance for any belief other than mainstream Sunni Islam and the heightened influence of extremist factions and ideology in the region. So um, I do have to say though, it's not just Pakistan overall has seen a sharp increase in blasphemy cases targeting Shia Muslims. The Human Rights Commission Pakistan HRCP reported 40 blasphemy cases in August alone where Shias were targeted.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, that uh, the, the situation for blasphemy cases and so on, it's not, it's not new. We may have seen a spike, but, you know, considering the complexity and intractability uh, of these uh, issues, uh, particularly blasphemy uh, cases. What, in your view, can the Pakistani government to, uh, do to address these uh, growing concerns? Or, or is uh, Imran Khan's uh, government part of the problem? Um, that's my, the first part of my question. And the second part would be, you know, what, what then uh, could the US government and larger international community do to push for genuine and measurable reforms by the Pakistani government? To address these blasphemy laws and other uh, sectarian violence in the country?
0: Well, the Pakistani government has failed to protect members of religious minority groups and enabled systematic discrimination of not only Ahmadis, but Shias and Hindus, Sikhs, Christians, and non-believers. Um, there are several instances where Prime Minister Imran Khan has retracted his support for religious minorities due to hardline pressure. Um, he's removed individuals from office due to their faith. A prime example is Atif Nia. He removed him from the Economic Advisory Council. He's withdrawn support of funds for, um, from the Hindu community when they were supposed to build a Hindu temple in Islamabad. Um, he's allowed ministers in his cabinet to openly make remarks that perpetuate hate There is extremist rhetoric put forth by organizations, individuals, be it government officials, politicians, or clerics that often proceed on attacks on religious minorities. The government of Pakistan really needs to curb hardline extremist organizations and individuals from promoting sectarian violence and exacerbating existing prejudices and inducing fear amongst religious minorities. Um, As for your second question, The United States and the international community need to pressure the Pakistani government to repeal blasphemy laws and anti-Ahmadi laws. And until uh, repeal is accomplished, they need to enact reforms to make blasphemy available offense, require evidence by accusers, ensure proper investigation is done by police officials, allow authorities to dismiss unfounded accusations, and basically criminalize people making false accusations. Currently, those that are charged with blasphemy are taken into police custody without a chance of bail. They're convicted. Um, If they are convicted, they can face fines, imprisonment, and even the death penalty under Pakistan's penal code. Legal representation for those individuals charged is even hard to obtain due to the sensitivity of the matter and the dangers involved in representing uh, blasphemy cases. Uh, those willing to defend individuals accused of blasphemy have been targeted, threatened, and even killed. I mean, we've seen that in the case of Salman the Seer, um, and Asiya Bibi's lawyer, Saeed Malik, was was continuously threatened. There needs to be access to justice for those who are accused of blasphemy, and more of a push on the Pakistani government to repeat, repeal these laws.
1: Well, thank you so much. And we'll have to leave it right there. I want to thank USURF's senior policy analyst for South Asia, Naila Mohammed, for her insights today. And you can find more information about USURF's work on Pakistan on our website at www.usurf.gov. And look out for a new report we'll be uh, releasing soon on blasphemy laws globally, which will also uh, put a spotlight on what's going on in Pakistan today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on YouServe Spotlight.